This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. So it's an important reminder that March 13th through 14th is Safe Haven Sunday. Safe Haven Sunday is really a, a pastoral effort. It was connected with, there are so many people in as Catholics who have, who have requested a pastoral response to pornography. And U.S. bishops, they wrote a document called Create in Me a Clean Heart. The mission is basically connected to help men and women and young people avoid the sin of pornography and embrace freedom and a life in Christ. It's to encourage the local church to actively proclaim that freedom of pornography is possible and remind people that no one needs to fight this battle alone. So these pastoral resources are just great opportunities for parents and for families and for others to be made aware that these resources are available and within our archdiocese. We are blessed to have Father Sean Kilcoley with us. Father Kokoli is the Director of Family Life Office for the Diocese of Lincoln, Nebraska. The topic is freedom from addiction to pornography, whether it's a message for parents or even help for adults or spouses that are encountering this. So a special welcome to you, Father Kokoli. Thanks, Father Brian. It's so good to be with you today. So obviously this is a, a Sunday morning conversation, family-friendly, but it's a little bit more generally mature topics, but we'll try to keep it family-friendly. So if you have children nearby or maybe a little bit more of adult conversation, but such an important issue, the first segment we're going to focus a little bit more on things that parents should know and things that can help support parents as a pastor of a parish. I have parents come to me and or with teenagers, what should I do? Tell me your experience of, of just young people. Just It's just so pervasive out there that young people are, are exposed to something so much earlier. Can you speak to that? What are the ages? What's the average age that persons be exposed to these images that are helpful. Yeah, so the the average age of first exposure to pornography today is between 8 and 11 years old. Right? So between 8 and 11 and 11 and and that's because of you know the availability of the internet and different technology that we have and smartphones and tablets and which I know are really, it's really difficult for parents to keep track of all that. And a lot of times parents can feel overwhelmed. And that's not just a statistic that we read in a book somewhere in, because every time I've ever talked to a college student and you've done campus ministry as well, father. Yes. When I hear their story, their story is usually they were exposed between eight and 11 years old. And the danger of that is when when we're exposed that young because of the pruning process that's going on in our brain, those images kind of get, they, they just set in at a deeper level, and it's a lot harder to be free. Also, in the men's recovery groups I've run, it doesn't matter how old the man is. If, if he's stuck in his adulthood, his story is almost always that he was exposed at like 10, 11, or 12 years old. Right, and sometimes it might be from a peer or sometimes someone stumbles on something at an early age. Can you speak to that? And and what should parents know or what what can help them and what to do in those circumstances to protect their children? Yeah, so I've heard stories, everything from just they were playing a video game and they clicked on an ad that led to an image that led to a video or 
maybe they were at a sleepover, you know, like in my own life, I was at a sleepover and my friend had like a rated R movie with like steamy scenes in it, you know, and, and so we watched that on VHS and, and that's what kind of happened then. The difference today is that all of that is ramped up and it's more intense. And so it's really important to, to just monitor all internet connections and, and they could use programs like Covenant Eyes or a lot of people like Circle. A lot of people like a program called Custodio. And there's there's lots of things to choose from, but the important thing is you choose something, right? And making sure that we're filtering our connections. And I think it's a legitimate question also for parents to ask the parents of their children's friends if they're going to go spend time at their house, what their plan is for, for filtering their connections. And so, like, at a minimum to do that. But the more important thing is to establish connections, which means being open to talking to your children. And really doing a lot of the formation that needs to be done in the area of affective maturity and human sexuality at an age-appropriate level. And, and what does that look like, generally speaking, for different ages, to, age to, to have the conversations in general about the dignity of the person, dignity of men and women, obviously virtue of chastity? Can you speak to some of that of what you experienced of some good formation that's for whether it's elementary school or middle school or high school and, and mm -hmm. even some resources. Yeah, so the church has always said that the parents are the primary educators of the children, and that's where we want to keep things. And But that responsibility is so much more now because of the way the culture is. And really, I always say that parents are like pioneers in trying to figure this out. So there are some really good resources that can be like roadmaps for that. You know, for addressing the topic of pornography, there's a couple of books written by Kristen Jensen, her website is protectyoungminds.com, and she wrote a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, which is a read to your child book, which I would recommend happens around second grade because that's right before the average age of first exposure. And it will explain what pornography is and what to do if you see it. And basically, like, pornography is pictures of people with little or no clothes on. If you see it, turn it off, turn away, and tell your parents. And we want to teach young people especially to report when they have exposure so that it doesn't become something that's shameful or that they're holding that they're holding to be a secret because those secretive things they always sort of beckon us to go back again and again and again as we're trying to figure out you know what it is we were exposed to in the area of affective maturity or like human sexuality there's a great book written by Ellen John Giordano called Wonderfully Made Babies which is a, you know, read to your child book that will explain everything about how a baby's made in the context of the theology of the body. And, and I really like it because it's very sort of precise and it's also written within a Catholic worldview. And the, uh, the age that's recommended on that is from age nine and up, which I think is right because the earlier we start these conversations, the more comfortable they are. Some really dear friends of mine, they started these conversations when their kids, you know, are very small. They just kind of always answer the questions when they come up. And they used a series called God's Design for Sex, which is put out by NAP Press. It's a Protestant publication, but it does a really good job. And it just gives you kind of a roadmap for having a continual conversation as, as your kids are growing, because that's really the goal. It's not a kind of one and done thing. So that parents are the first teachers uh, of the children in these areas and that they know their children best and it's an age-appropriate response and the fact that parents can get educated in these matters 
can certainly equip them in a better way to deal with one of the scourges of our time. You know, I always joke that my talk from my dad, it lasted about two minutes. He was using technical terms, and I thought he was talking about erector sets. And then finally, he had to start going kind to of use some slang terms, and I figured out what was going on. But it was really, it came later than I was already exposed by my peers at the time that my parents decided to start that conversation. And I think that's where sometimes there's the shock to realize that young people are much more exposed to things, even with the reality of, of video games. I remember hearing an article that talked about Minecraft. I, I don't even know the details, but, the, you know, there's, there's basic things that young people are involved in. Can you share about what are examples of things that parents need to be worried about with video games and those type of things that they may not be aware of? Uh, I think the main thing is just that there's a lot of video games, especially as they get to be more mature and there's video game ratings, to just pay attention to those. But also there are some, some video games that have codes, and there's actually pornographic content in the video games. And I can't I can't recall right now the names of uh, of those specific things, but, but it's easily Googleable. If And I just think parents should do research about what their kids are exposed to. The bigger thing I'd be concerned about is screen time in general and tracking screen time in general and and really making sure that we're connecting in other ways. I'm a big fan of playing board games. I'm a big fan of playing cards. I'm a big fan of, like, anything that's, like, more interactive and facilitates connection. It's not good for any of us to isolate with our screen for, you know, hours on end. And and that's an important fact to be aware of, that, that human interaction with people and presence with people, that just the question of, like you said, excessive time in any kind of media is not healthy as humans. We were made to interact with one another, and there's a healthiness with that with that kind of interaction. Do you, do you have some good advice for temperance with social media? What, what have been things that parents have found helpful or how to how to help their young people be just engaged? What are, the, are there some things with just engaging with reality and not just kind of getting stuck in smartphone, social media, and the sort? Yeah, so just briefly, social media is always a temptation to comparison. And I think for all of us, including us adults, social media can lead to more depression than it does anything else because it leads us to feel like we're less than the people we encounter there. I do think things like Circle, some of the apps that can limit the time spent on social media, should always be used by parents, and that should be limited to, you know, between 30 and 60 minutes at max. And again, like like helping their kids to interact with others. Like phones make phone calls is one of my themes that, you know, your phone does this thing and you can talk to somebody in real time and hear their voice and feel connected. It's, a, it's an amazing thing that we should use more of. Right. And there is something to the effect of uh, sharing with, with young people about the limits. I remember someone describing smartphones and they basically said, like, nowhere in history have we had that kind of accessibility to any and everything or young people to have that accessibility to any and everything. So what are we, what are parents looking soberly uh, with young people about having a healthy awareness of it? So fellow Kokali, this first segment has been hopefully a little bit of a blessing for, for parents. Our next segment, we're going to focus a little bit more on uh, adults and freedom and healing and what about spouses to encourage them in the journey of people who are even free from a type of addiction. So I'm Father Brian Nolan. We'll be back in um, Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. 
For more information about the Archdiocese efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Reading the Bible has had a positive effect on people's mental well-being during the pandemic, according to a Christian research survey conducted in the United Kingdom. The survey also found that respondents were reading the Bible more and turning to Bible-related videos more during the pandemic. The survey, carried out on behalf of the Bible Society, posed a number of questions to 1,000 people in the United Kingdom who identified themselves as Christians and who had attended church at least once a month before restrictions aimed at curbing the pandemic. The questions were asked in December and the results were published online by the Bible study March 1st. 42% of respondents reported that reading the Bible increased a sense of hope in God during the crisis, the report by the Bible study said. Some 28% said that reading the Bible had increased their confidence in the future, while 63% said that they felt their level of confidence remained the same rather than dropping. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the virtual newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. Every child enters the world with limitless potential. Potential of mind. Potential of body. Potential of spirit. If there was only a place where that potential could be nurtured and challenged every day, where the limits of greatness, once unseen, could now be within reach. Catholic schools rise above. I may never have met you. We don't go way back. Maybe we wouldn't even be friends if we did. But when you wear a mask, you have my respect. Because your mask doesn't protect you. It protects me. I wear my mask to protect you. Mask up, America. Brought to you by the Ad Council. With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed to have Father Sean Kilcoley with us. Father Kilcoley is the Director of Family Life Office for the Diocese of Lincoln, Nebraska. The topic is uh, freedom from addiction to pornography. So uh, welcome back, Father Kilcoley. Thanks, Father Brian. It's great to be with you today. So maybe you can speak a little bit about you helped foster apostolates and in the Archdiocese of Baltimore on March 13th and 14th, we have Safe Haven Sunday that's going to be promoting Clean Heart Online and, and opportunities to offer opportunities of, of freedom, hope, and healing and resources that people can have available. What would you say to this need? How widespread is this need out there, would you say, in the United States? 
Uh, in the Barna, the Barna group did a study back in 2014, and in that study, they found that 60% of Christian men seek out pornography at least monthly. And among Christian women, I think it was between 15 and 20, but typically women will under-report. And I, and I think those numbers are really accurate, that, that it is probably the biggest problem that we have and that we're facing as a church today. My perspective as a family life office director is that, you know, my job is to help families to encounter our Lord, and that means removing obstacles, right, removing obstacles to encounter. And just based on those numbers alone, pornography is the biggest obstacle to evangelization that we face, and therefore it needs to be addressed directly. I remember speaking with different people in kind of counseling situations where maybe they got involved in pornography and maybe they were like, how do I get free? And how do I get out of this? What, what, what kind of advice would you have to someone who has a pornography addiction? Yeah, I would say that whatever you're doing right now isn't working for you, right? So if somebody still has an addiction, I always kind of ask, like, what are you doing? What are you doing about it? And how is that working for you? And so if somebody's going to confession and they're praying regularly and they're going to adoration and that's not working for them, it doesn't mean those things are not working or they're bad or we believe in the power of the sacraments, but sometimes people also have like a human formation issue. And and what really works is being honest about things and, and finding somebody in your life that you can be honest with. And that means somebody in your life that you can call every single time you're tempted and you have no problem telling them exactly what you're tempted about. And and we can find that in, in the church, but the most important thing is that we find a community of recovery. I've seen a lot of men have success and a lot of women have success when they get involved in recovery groups. And there's different kinds of recovery groups. But one that is like tried and true is a group like Sexaholics Anonymous, where it's a 12-step fellowship that runs like Alcoholics Anonymous. And they work the steps and get a sponsor. And, and you walk into this room and you find a bunch of other people who have your same problem. And oftentimes you find people who have been free for five years, 10 years, 15 years, sometimes 20 or 30 years. And, and that provides a lot of hope. You know, there's a lot of hope when you see somebody who's, whose life was a bit of a train wreck and, and now they're just living in peace and serenity and in communion with God, you know, because that's ultimately what this is about is communion with God. All right. I've had spouses come to me and even of newly married couples where they found that the, the spouse had a, an addiction to pornography and they're devastated. And what advice would you have for, especially spouses that are like, like, what do I do in this circumstance? And some people, their spouse wants to address it or doesn't want to address it. What, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, so, so always, like the first thing is, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. And I'm really sorry for everything that you're going through right now. Um, because a spouse's experience is typically that they had no idea that this was happening. And, and when they discover it, it can, it can truly be devastating because it can seem as if, as if their partner or their spouse has been lying to them the entire time they've been married. And spouses need their own support as they're going through that healing process. And, and that can involve the same elements of like finding a therapist and, and finding a support group. There's an online community at a Catholic website called bloomforcatholicwomen.com. And at bloomforcatholicwomen.com, they uh, they can sign up for a subscription, which is $10 a month, and there's just, like, hundreds of hours of content on there. It was put together by Dr. Kevin Skinner and some others. I have some spiritual content on there. 
and that's been a really a great support for spouses. Typically, like spouses either can they can kind of have a tendency to want to ignore everything and be really supportive to their to the addict, or they can can be really hurt and really angry and and be that way towards the addict, right? But the the reality is is that both people need healing. And as they both find healing, it creates more space to heal the relationship. And I've seen that happen. I've seen miracles in couples when when they finally address this issue. Right, and it seems like there's an added element of of success and freedom that comes, especially with the level of accountability. Especially, I remember walking with some spouses where it was like, okay, here are some things you have to commit to. You have to commit to counseling. You have to commit to mm-hmm. uh, that that accountability. And and tell me again, do you have any stories of hope and freedom that could be things where you can give people hope? Because some people just feel hopeless in, in these, these circumstances. Yeah, I, I have plenty of stories like that. And like one particular, there was a there was a spouse who came to see me and and basically what she wanted was never to touch her husband ever again. Like I don't want a divorce, mm-hmm. but I don't want to like live as if we're married ever again. And then I just like started asking her questions about her own life. And and what I learned was that she had been hurt by lots of people in her life for her entire life. And we just started focusing on that. And then and then her husband called me and. And he also, like, had a history of being hurt by people before he became an addict, which most addicts do. And so we started working on that, and they both got counselors, and they both got into a support group. And and as they started to work on their healing process, it created this space where they stopped fighting with each other because they were more focused on what our Lord was doing in their hearts. And they started being nicer to each other. And then they started to fall back in love with each other. And and then I've watched them go through this healing of their marriage. And then I've watched them heal a lot in their relationship with their children. And they now are walking with other couples who have had the same problem. And so so it's just been a huge grace for me as a priest to see, you know, that couples do, they are transformed, you know. And, and I really believe there's hope for everybody. There was one couple I walked with and they got divorced. And then they both got into recovery, and I remarried them a year later. Wow. And and this was a case where the person was really escalated in their behaviors. But but then our Lord entered in, and through through the help of support groups and therapists and, and lots of lots of people, God sends us like they're now like they're now happy in their relationship with each other. And and that was a huge grace. It was a huge grace for me as a priest as well. Mm-hmm. What do you say to someone who that might be well and good for two people who are open? What happens if they're not actually open to making changes and they, they're, you know, a person's stubborn in that? What what advice would you have to a, a spouse if they're if a husband or wife said, no, this is what I'm going to do? I think everybody has to find their own path forward. But, but I always would say that a spouse, everyone has a right to have their own boundaries, right? And, and nobody should be, ever be made to feel like a doormat. And nobody is nobody signs up for any kind of abuse when they get married, whether that's emotional, physical, or sexual. And so, so like they need to just figure out where their boundaries are going to be going forward. And that, and that's going to take the help of oftentimes, you know, a spiritual director and a therapist uh, in figuring out where those boundaries are. I remember just reminding the reality that when Jesus spoke, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart, that it's not just physical acts, but again, the sense of this call to a freedom of, of, of chastity of the mind and, and body and how 
beautiful and, and freeing as the virtues, but just like any of the virtues, like humility or uh, name any of the virtues, generosity, self-denial, that's something that has to be practiced every day. So, well, what a great, great blessing. Do you have any other resources uh, for people that you would recommend? Uh, yeah, so we talked about like 12 step recovery meetings. There's also a program called Catholic in Recovery, which is a sort of a 12 step recovery group with a Catholic in the Catholic context. And that's at catholicinrecovery.com. There's also a three day workshop coming up in Kansas City in about a week. And it takes place every quarter called the My House Workshop for Men. It's basically a three day intensive workshop where Somebody gets about eight months of therapy in three days, and wow. they can find information about that at centerforhealingkc.com. The team is myself and three other therapists, and I've seen people make just great strides in in their progress in recovery and conversion through that weekend wow. experience. Wonderful. Well, we are blessed to have you, Father Kukali, for for this topic. So many blessings to you. You're welcome. Thank you. So one of the responses from the Archdiocese of Baltimore from Archbishop Flory and our archdiocese is to provide the people of the Archdiocese of Baltimore with resources, and it's connected to Clean Heart Online. So Safe Haven Sunday is March 13th and 14th, as mentioned. It's to provide an opportunity to combat the evil of pornography and to offer pastoral resources that give people formation and hope and healing, whether it's for people directly, men and women, or uh, even resources for spouses that they can have hope, that they have uh, someone who's involved in this addiction to pornography, that they can have help and support, especially for having a whole marriage. For more information about Safe Haven Sunday, visit www.archbalt.org, www.archbalt.org. I'm Father Brian Nolan, Catholic Review Radio. May God bless you. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.